Chapter thirty two of the Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee, Memoirs of Chateaubriand, seventeen sixty eight to eighteen hundred, part two, by Francois Rene de Chateaubriand. Chapter thirty two. London from April till September, eighteen twenty two. The course of the Ohio leaving the lakes of canada we came to port william at the confluence of the rivers ohio and kentucky there the landscape displays a most extraordinary magnificence this splendid country is however called kentucky from the name of the river which flows through it and which signifies the river of blood it owes its name to its beauty during the space of two centuries the tribes in alliance with the cherokees disputed its occupation with those of the iroquois will the european races which now people the banks prove more virtuous and free than the exterminated savages is there not slave labour in this country of man's primitive independence under the lash of their masters do no prisons and gibbets replace the open hut and the tall tulip-tree in which the birds built their nests will the riches of nature give rise to no new wars will kentucky cease to be the land of blood and will the monuments of art prove a greater ornament to the banks of the ohio than the monuments of nature after passing the wabash the great cypress the cumberland river the cherokee or tennessee and the yellow banks we arrive at a strip of land often flooded when the waters are high here the confluence of the mississippi and the ohio takes place in latitude thirty six degrees fifty four minutes north the two rivers offering equal resistance slacken their speed they run alongside of each other in the same channel without mingling for some miles as two great races originally separate but subsequently amalgamated form only one nation as two illustrious rivals share the same couch after the battle as man and wife descended from hostile races who had at first little inclination towards one another subsequently joined their destinies in marriage for myself like the powerful sources of rivers i have spread out the little course of my life at one time on one side of a mountain and then again on the other wilful in my mistakes yet never intentionally doing wrong preferring poor valleys to rich plains resting on flowers rather than in a palace as for the rest i was so much pleased with my travels that i thought little about the pole a company of traders about to start for the country of the creeks in the floridas permitted me to join them we set forward towards the country then known under the general name of the floridas but now divided into the states of alabama georgia south carolina and tennessee we followed pretty nearly the footpath which now connects the great road from natchez to nashville with jackson and florence and which enters virginia by knoxville and salem a country at this time very little frequented but the lakes and best portions of which bertram had nevertheless explored the planters of georgia and the coasts of the floridas came to the residences of the different tribes of creeks to buy horses and half-wild beasts which multiplied amazingly on the savannas that surrounded the springs on the banks of which i have represented atala and chactas as reposing they even extended their journeys as far as the ohio we were urged on in our course by a fresh wind the ohio swelled by the tribute of a hundred rivers was at one time lost in the lakes which opened before us and at another in the forests islands arose in the middle of the lakes we made sail towards one of the largest and landed at eight o'clock in the morning i crossed a prairie strewn over with the yellow-flowered ragwort the variegated mallow roses and the purple-tufted obelaria an indian river attracted my attention the contrast between this ruin and the apparent newness of nature 
this monument of mankind in a desert made a great impression upon me what race dwelt on this island what was their name what their origin and what the period of their extinction did they live while the world in whose bosom they were hidden continued unknown to the other three parts of the globe their silence was possibly cotemporary with the fame of other great nations which have since in their turn passed away into oblivion on the sandy nooks among the ruins of the tumuli there grows a species of poppy with red flowers hanging at the end of small footstalks from a green stem the stalk and the flower have a smell which is communicated to the fingers on touching the plant this smell which survives the flower is but an emblem of the memory of a life spent in solitude i watched the water-lilies as they began to hide their white flowers under the waves towards the close of day and the periatica which only encloses its flowers at night the pyramidal enothera with oblong denticulated leaves of a dark green colour has other habits and another destiny its yellow flower begins gradually to expand in the evening when venus is sinking below the horizon it continues to open to the rays of the stars the dawn finds it in all its beauty during the forenoon it fades and at midday falls off it only lives a few hours but it spends these hours under a serene sky fanned by the breath of venus and aurora what matters then the shortness of its life garlands of dionea hang over the streams and insects hum around there are also hummingbirds and butterflies whose brilliant colours vie in splendour with the variegated tints of the flowers during these excursions and in the midst of such studies i was often struck with their vanity what could not the revolution which had driven me into the woods and still hung over me inspire me with some more serious thoughts was it during the period of the distractions of my country that i should be engaged in describing plants butterflies and flowers the selfishness of mankind affords a standard for estimating the slight importance of the most astonishing events how many men are totally indifferent to all such occurrences how many more entirely ignorant of them the total population of the globe is estimated at from one billion one hundred million to one billion two hundred million one individual dies every second and thus during every minute we pass in grief or joy sixty human beings expire and sixty families are plunged into mourning and sorrow life is but one continued torment the chain of mourning and funerals by which we are encircled never breaks but constantly enlarges its circuit we ourselves form a link in the chain let us still however exalt and magnify the importance of those catastrophes of which seven-eighths of the world never hear still let us pant after a renown which will never extend a few leagues from our tombstones let us plunge into the ocean of bliss of which each instant glides away among sixty coffins constantly renewed nam nox nulla diem neque noctem auroris cuta est que non adierit mixtos vagitibus egris ploratus mortis committis et funeris atri no day has passed nor night succeeded morn but still the sounds of mourning and of grief have sounded loud attendance upon death End of chapter thirty two